Miracy. There's a much easier way, which is deep connection with source and life itself, and just accepting what's your real truth, being completely honest with yourself every step along the way, and building your business from that foundation. Hello, I'm Katie Valentine, and you're listening to Soul Savvy Business. I am a soul-minded spiritual entrepreneur, a Christian minister, and a New Testament scholar. Don't let any of that scare you. I support all paths to the divine, and I use tools like chakras, dreams, and intuition to get there. On this podcast, we explore the intersection of business and spirituality. What do I mean by that? Too often, we separate our business selves from our spiritual selves. But in doing that, we don't leverage the full potential of either one. This series aims to help you fall in love with your own soul so that you can live your most fulfilling and successful life. On today's episode, I'll be talking with a business coach with a passion for helping others live their purpose. But first... In every episode, I offer a tip around abundance and your spiritual journey. Today's tip is to be in touch with your emotions and experience them. It's about developing emotional intelligence. Many times, spiritual communities love to focus on what we call positive emotions, love, joy, happiness. But if those were the only ones we experience, we wouldn't be full and complete human beings. Being human is experiencing the entire range. Sadness, frustration, and anger are normal, and we're going to experience them sometimes. The key is not to hold on to them longer than necessary. We can experience emotions from an unintelligent place, denying them or holding on to them too long, or from an intelligent place, owning them and processing them. This is so important for our abundance for a few reasons. Processing emotion allows us to intelligently interact with abundance from an ethical place, It's not about only money, but about true abundance for the earth. Processing emotions lets us let go of the story that abundance is selfish, and it gets us out of a greed mindset. Processing emotions also allows us to feel the highs and the lows of our business life without getting attached to them, because we always know that more success is around the corner. It also allows us to enjoy our abundance and treat it with respect and a giving mindset. When we don't process emotions, they become stuck energy within us and lets us tell a story that doesn't actually serve us. My guest today is Daniel Hahnemann. Daniel is a master intuitive business coach with a background as a professional counselor and certified hypnotherapist. He helps other professionals through energy scanning and clearing and intuitive guidance. He also happens to have a pretty stellar podcast called Spiritual Rockstar, which I know you'll love. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Grateful to be here, Katie. This is so great. And we've we've gotten to speak several times, so it's a joy to continue the conversation. And I'm just curious if anything resonated with you on the tip of really developing emotional intelligence with consciousness. I mean, that is a huge key, of course, is to be willing to embrace those emotions, particularly around the series of spirituality and business. I think one of the reasons why people want to strip the spirituality from business is because they don't want to feel the feelings of where my business is at. How am I doing with my money? 
uh, let's get rid of all that, like in the metaphysical space, or like get rid of all that 3D crap, money, and all that stuff. Like, <laughs> right. you know, you, how are you going to build a business? You have to embrace all of it. You have to embrace the feelings that are coming up around the concept of money, you know, for example. So we can't master our money until we master our emotions in that, yes, you can make a lot of money and be very non-masterful with emotions, 1 billion percent. But if you want to be enlightened money master, forget about it. You know? So, right. you know, when you're talking about let's not destroy the planet, and, you know, all this, this crazy, crazy greed, I, I would push back a little bit on the greed thing. Greed is not good or bad. It's again, like everything else, it's how we use it. And Anger is not good or bad. It's how we use it. You know, how we are we in response to it? So as we are willing to give gratitude for all of it, greed, uh, anger, frustration, whatever's coming up, all of it, as we can embrace it and come to love, gratitude and self-acceptance, that's what the key is. So yeah, I love what you had to share. Thanks. Yeah, we'll be talking about your religious and spiritual background in just a moment. But first, I'm wondering if you might tell us what word or words you currently use when you're referring to whatever it is you consider to be the divine. Yeah, I don't know. I use the word source a lot, God, life. Those are some of the common ones. Yeah. Thinking about the divine as life, I'm wondering if you might speak a little Mm -hmm. more about that, how that shows up for you. Like life, the, the life force or the life energy or... No, I guess I do use a lot of permutations for it. It's just I can't, I just do it in creative flow when I'm talking. It's just life itself is the divine. You know, we think life is this, it's struggling hard, it's doing, you know, trying to achieve something. Let's achieve a great lifestyle. It's like living from the essence of the essential nature of life itself, that unlimited source or potential within means that we're not giving resistance to that life force, right? When we're just living from that space, like kids often do, right? We often see kids, I was just with my grandkids and they're just doing all their things. And if they cry when they bump their head or fall down, it's like for five seconds, sometimes they're laughing five seconds later because they're not resisting. So it's like life itself is where we don't put the concepts and ideas on top of what we think life is or what's happening, then we're experiencing really the real one true life that really exists within all of us, that universal force. This is this infinite life, this infinite presence within. And that's what we're to, you know, surrender and give ourselves fully to as much as possible and dance with (laughs) the energy of all the permutations of life that flow from the one life, I guess is the way I would put it. Oh, that's really beautiful. Thank you for that. And your example of the grandkids is such a wonderful one, just thinking back to the abundance tip of developing emotional intelligence, because kids don't hold back. And it's amazing how often I'll see adults tell a child, like, don't cry, or they Mm -hmm. they try to stop them from feeling what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Whereas in reality, they're processing everything exactly like they should be. Exactly. Tell us a little bit about your religious or your spiritual upbringing. What did that look like? You know, were you raised in a particular religion or a particular spiritual practice? Yeah, uh, definitely Christian, a Lutheran, Missouri Synod uh, sect. And I guess some people consider it kind of strict and whatnot, but not nothing compared to what I've seen out there. I mean, it was not that strict to me. Well, yeah, I was brought up with a lot of the um, you're a sinner and all the usual stuff, right? And what I've loved about 
going to church, and I would even go to church on my own sometimes because even as a kid, because it's right across the street, because I just love the energy. Of, I love being in that church. I just love the spiritual energy. And I, what I got was just like, this: the energy is created here is great. I don't feel like what they're saying is completely true, though. You know, like I always knew that from even a little kid. Like I just knew like this doesn't sound completely true. And then I didn't really have anything else until I got into religious science in the 90s. And then when I got into that, like at that time, I was like, this is it. Like this, I'm, like, so this metaphysical sort of teaching. I'm like, this is like what I've always believed. And uh, I attend uh, a, a unity church these days, but I don't. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I don't have a big like unity and that's it, or you know, I mean, or I could end up at some other church, who knows? I mean, I just kind of go where my path takes me as far as like the spiritual communities and things like that. But I do appreciate church a lot. There's something about church that's very beautiful coming together into a sanctuary and everybody, you know, coming together in that way. So many beautiful aspects of it, but yeah. All the major teachings out there, as, as you know, Katie, as all the studies you've done are essentially the same. They're just saying things in different ways, you know, treat each other well, uh, love each other. And yet people have had whole wars over little tiny differences. Well, I have a friend who is a Christian theologian, and, and she was telling me in one of her classes, they had a Muslim who was in the class. And the Muslim student was just utterly confused about why Christians would care about communion, and if the bread that was served is literally the body of Christ, or if it's a symbol or something in between. And the Muslim student was like, you guys care about this? <laughs> so um, yeah, those details get weirdly conflated at a granular level. I'm curious, Daniel, what what influence that kind of Missouri Synod Christian upbringing had on your current spiritual practices, if any? Because what I'm hearing is that you were able, from a young age, to experience the energy but not get attached to the dogma. Because Missouri Synod is a pretty conservative um, Christian tradition. Like they don't ordain women. Right. Um, it's a, yeah, like you said, pretty like a lot of focus on piety and, and on, on salvation right. in a particular kind of way. But it sounds like that just didn't attach to you. No, I mean, you had to even remind me now, like, where are the women? You know, because I don't look for that stuff. Like where people are always looking for these, these issues and notice or just notice them. I just don't tend not to. So. My point is, is that, yeah, I was more focused on the energy I felt and the truths I did feel like resonated for me at that time. And I didn't have an attachment as a kid to, you know, that it was not true. I was just like, this is all kind of weird, but okay. Right. <laughs> what what does they come up with? And for your spiritual practices now, you know, you mentioned that you've been on a journey towards oneness and towards these, you know, different different metaphysical teachings and realities, and uh, that brought you to your current community of the Unity Church. And yeah, what what does your spiritual practice look like, like on a daily basis now? Yeah, thank you. So one of them is definitely gratitude. I mean, every time I feel triggered, I just say thank you. I just keep saying thank you. I just every time I especially when I feel triggered. I'll say thank you for everything else too. <laughs> but I also make sure, right, immediate, because that's one of the number one ways to move through being triggered. Okay, I'm triggered. Um, my teenage daughter, I'd had to tell her 10 times to do something. I feel like at one level, I want to kill her right now. <laughs> and another part of me is like, uh, okay, why are you so uptight about this? So then I just, when I catch it, it's just like, oh, thank you. Thank you. And I just sit with the feeling. It's just like, okay, thank you. And then 
it just starts to clear usually if it's more sticky then you have to move through it so gratitude watching what comes up what you're feeling being the observer mind is a constant uh practice the way i developed that was through meditation primarily right so you're getting into the observer mind through meditation and um yeah prayer is really uh, uh critical so i do a prayer work for myself and others and my clients and everybody the list could go on and on but i mean there those are some of the you know a few of the the, the primary ones i would say i mean I see so many other things, a spiritual practice too, like going for walks, you know, going for my walks where I drop into presence deeper, right? Even channeling the energy of Jesus, for example, let it speak through me. And that's how I describe how I do. I don't say this is the unerring word of Jesus is coming through me right now. <laughs> like it's, you know, I don't, you know, I just say I'm channeling the energy, take it or leave it, you know, it feels good, take it, you don't, you know, it doesn't resonate, no problem. Maybe you can explain, just give a brief definition of channeling for those who might not be familiar with it. Oh, thank you. So I could channel the energy of anything, right? So I could just draw from that sense of that energy and just let it demonstrate itself through me. It's just channeling that energy, but like it's just trusting you what you're feeling and just giving it a voice, just giving it language to what you're feeling of that energy right here and right now. Now you could ask questions of that energy and everything and then let it speak through you as well. But it's just trust. It's really a simple thing. Can you tell us a little bit how either your religious background or spiritual beliefs over the years have impacted the way you feel about abundance? Is there kind of an abundance arc, an abundance story there that's tied into your spirituality? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So when I was in church, I know some churches are prosperity churches, right? But not my church. It was more with the usual teaching. You can't be rich and be spiritually the highest level. You know, it's just not going to happen. And those ideas are in the Bible and they just take them pretty literally, right? I got more of my prosperity teaching to some degree. Some of my parents are both ultimately were, you know, more or less business owners, but they always were like, we always have enough. We always get make it. We always, you know. There was some level of prosperity around that. They didn't go around talking about, we don't have enough. Oh my God, what are we going to do? They, there was none of that going on with me growing up. It was always like, oh, we always, we're going to be fine. We can do what we want, blah, blah, blah. And so like there was a level of prosperity I got from that. But like, yeah, just to answer your basic question, it's just I continuing to advance. I've gotten into big energy with money, but then it's also been about wisdom and, and deepening as well. because. We can get on a runaway train like, yeah, we're all going to make millions of dollars and everybody should sign up for my programs, you know, in this industry with coaching and the healing and stuff. It's very unconscious if you're not careful. So instead, like there's a much easier way, which is deep connection with source and life itself and just accepting what's your real truth, being completely honest with yourself every step along the way and building your business from that foundation. So that's where we get into the deeper, true abundance for sure. <laughs> And, you know, for abundance and spirituality, I'm curious, has there ever been a belief that you've had to kind of consciously rewrite for yourself? Oh, yeah, lots of them. Like one of them was when I started getting into business and started making some money, I was like, well, if I make too much, then I'm going to have to start paying more actual taxes. So that was one of them. And then another one I think that I've had to overcome multiple times is when you start having more success start looking around and there's all this idea of like, you know, not everybody's as well off as you. And then there's this idea that maybe you could have too much, 
right? And that's really a big program out there these days on top of all the other ideas. So there's idea of have unlimited wealth and enjoy it. But then there's also more in the spiritual circles too. And the equity circles is like, you only need like 75 grand a year. That's as happy as you'll ever get. So just may as well not even think about making a lot of money because you won't be happier anyway. And all this kind of very limited um, plastic thinking is how I look at it. What did you do to overcome that belief for yourself? Well, I mean, to the level that I have overcome it is just to realize that it's not about superficial measures of happiness when we look at like expanding into our deeper purpose and businesses and what's possible. It's about how much more good can I bring into the world? And as a wise vessel of energy, how do I want to utilize that energy in a way that feels wise to me, not what everybody else's opinion is, but feels wise to me. We need to empower ourselves. I think we should be self-empowered first. And yes, we take care of the collective from that self-empowerment, right? We can all band together to take care of any situation and lift other people up at the same time. But I think we get it reversed personally sometimes in this current climate. Yeah, I find that a helpful kind of mindset switch um, Mm -hmm. that when we're trying to take care of the whole world, but we're not taking care of ourselves. Right. It sounds like some of the tools that you use to help your own mindset beliefs, it sounds to me like you were having kind of a self-dialogue, examining your beliefs, getting into that observation mode. Yes, yes. Exactly. Like I used to think I want a mansion, I want my my sports cars, and I want all these things. And then as I've matured and got older, I'm like, I don't want any of that. One of the things I appreciate from a Warren Buffett, right? That always resonated for me when he said, I live in a house that I bought for like $300,000 and it's perfect. I don't need to live anywhere else. This is perfect for me, right? But, you know, we're given these ideas like this is so important, everything. And for most of us, we don't really want it. We don't really want it. It's not that important to us to have a big mansion and what. But if it's true for you, I think you should totally go for it. And I think a lot of people are kidding themselves like they want more abundance. I would say like people are lacking financial abundance. Totally. They could have more. You know, they're not allowing more in. They could have a lot more. But I think a lot of times it doesn't matter that much to them. That's why they don't have more. And maybe it doesn't matter sometimes. But sometimes, yeah, there's more that we could have and we really do want. Then we should be saying yes to that. Right. So to me, it's all about truth. It's all about let's get down to your real truth. What's really important to you? What's the real truth? And once we get to that, like, let's serve that, you know, so like for me, I, I could create business models for myself to get all the leverage models, right? Let's get an automated passive income machine and, you know, have high leverage groups, everything. But I've already done some of that stuff, right? I've already enjoyed those things. But now I work with small numbers of people on a deep one-to-one level because that's what lights up my soul more than anything in my business today, you know, tomorrow, who knows, you know, in the future, who knows? But I've been doing that, and that speaks to me. I was just telling somebody today, I'd rather go deep with one person than to have a whole big workshop of thousands of people for two days. I would rather have the one person for a year. I mean, if I had a choice between the two, I'll take the one person. Well, that segues just perfectly into the next question. (laughs) I know that you now run a successful business called Your Sacred Purpose. Mm -hmm. And just tell us a little bit about what you do and the people that you serve. Yeah, so I help. I would say like high achieving light leaders, people have probably had, you know, significant success or a lot of success in doing uh, something in the world with a career or a business before even. 
um, and they're in they're in business already, or they want to create a business, and they have big plans. They feel like they're really meant to make a big impact in the world. And what I help them with is to again to claim their real truth, therefore to understand what they really want to serve in the world. Like who are you meant to serve? How are you meant to serve them? And getting really precise about what that truth is, really present with it. And then all the other things, how am I supposed to market it? How is it meant to be sold? How am I meant to serve these clients in a way that is most aligned to my soul, right? Beyond all concepts, but more what feels like the deepest truth we could possibly realize. And then really owning your value is huge, right? Because there's a lot of people that don't own the value. Who am I to charge, you know, all this money? So I have a client, for example, she does amazing work. She can get results doing energy work that a lot of other people just don't get. And so we're just talking about her offerings and, you know, we're talking about multiple tens of thousands of dollars to work with her is what we were looking at with one of her offerings. And she's like, I'm feeling greedy. I'm feeling like it's too much. So that's one of the reasons why immediately I'm like, oh, perfect. This is right on target with what you said at the beginning. We're going to talk about this greed thing. She says, too greedy. I'm like, yeah, like if you actually try to charge like a homeless person this amount of money, maybe it's like insanely greedy, right? Come on, you can do it. You're resourceful. Find a way. Somebody will lend you the money or whatever. And I'm not even against that, but I'm just saying like, maybe it would be too greedy. But if you're working with the right person who's maybe got seven figures in the bank and has a problem they haven't been able to solve, like for decades, they might be willing to drop that kind of money down for you to actually be that answered prayer finally, right? Yeah. So so my thing is, is to really help that business owner to see what's the best way for them to share value and to receive value financially in their business in a way that takes them to wherever they want to go. So of course, they have big, big visions and dreams of what they want to share with the world. So I'm helping to align that energy and then build out the business. So I'm an intuitive business coach, business manager in some cases. Um, I also just straight up do, you know, energy shifting for people and tuning into them and guiding them with their purpose. But primarily, yeah, it's definitely with the business stuff. Well, we touched on how um, you've overcome some limitations and your your own arc with abundance and money. And I'm assuming that you probably work with clients around their limitations, like the one you just mentioned, um, mm-hmm. the woman who was maybe feeling greedy. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that you help people overcome those money obstacles? Yeah, it's different for each person, but usually it comes, it's all false beliefs, right? So whatever your false beliefs are, we have to dismantle those one way or another. You know, I'm working on clients on an energetic level. So sometimes as I'm working on an energetic level, we don't need to do as much constant belief work because we're working on an energetic level, which is hitting those false beliefs. It starts to clear those. But as they come up, I take them to the mat of truth. So and then we we talk about, well, how do you react? How do you respond to that? Um, and then, you know, the last thing is, who would you be without the thought? You know, who would you be without the thought? Or what would be possible if you didn't have this thought, this belief? And then that's tremendously freeing for people. Honestly, Katie, a lot of it is just, I'm just tuning into people. I keep talking to them. I keep talking it over with them. And it just sort of clicks in. Like that's the majority of the way I help people to clear their block. So yeah, we just get to the truth is the bottom line and get that energy, you know, dropped in for whatever their their truer intention is and get them aligned with it. And then 
they can have that then. Thank you. That's really helpful. And this sounds like such a perfect combination for someone with a therapeutic background and an intuitive energy background. Like you're bringing those together in this kind of dialogical, energetic way. Yes. Yes. That's so true. that's a, um, I don't know if it's a unique skill set, but I know it's not a skill set that everyone has. So I'm appreciative that you could bring that into the world. For listeners at home um, who are maybe just kind of getting started with tuning in energetically and using their intuition, do you have one tip to help them maybe recognize and clear their own energy? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to clear energy, right? One of the practices I call the yes practice. So, you know, where we're stuck often, like we just are reluctant to say yes and to allow something new into our lives. So the yes practice, what we do is you just spend like the, the beginning of the day, you just spend a little bit of time saying yes out loud again and again and again. And you can visualize like the things that you want, like on the abundance in some area of your life, let's say. Well, if we 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 go into our feelings and our emotions like, yeah, right now it feels like a no. All right. But I would like that to be a yes. No, it's yes. It's happening. Yes, 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 yes. The biggest thing is to make it simple, just to keep saying yes. Say yes like a hundred times, 100, 120 times every single day with enthusiasm. Let me, I'll tell you, you're going to have new prosperity in your life. Absolutely. So many little hacks like that you can do that will absolutely guarantee you the success. But we say, no, it's always got to be so complicated. You know, you can't possibly just do it through affirmations. And there's countless stories of people using affirmations to manifest all the life they want. So, I mean, I try not to be dogmatic about like what works for people, what doesn't. I think all of it can work potentially if you let it work and you have to apply things consistently. See, that's the number one thing where people get in trouble. Oh, this doesn't work. How, how long and consistently are you, have you applied this practice? And usually they're not doing it regularly. Usually they're not being consistent. Usually that's the number one problem. Or if they have been, they've gotten too attached to it, right? Oh, I keep thinking this should work and it's not. And that's what they think every day. So then it's that belief part, right? The first thing I said, if you don't believe in it, ultimately, you're not really believing in it, but you're just going through the motions, it won't work. Yeah, I think that going through the motions is what I experience a lot, sometimes in myself. I mean, sometimes I found in a manifestation journal I was keeping, I was just doing it kind of to do it every day. And then I was beginning to resent it. And so I had to. Yeah, exactly. There's no good feeling about it. That's another key is like, you know, you got to feel you got to get to where you feel good about it. And you appreciate it. Right. Like and you don't have to force it. It's just like we're all looking for the instant miracle. But I think like we get too addicted to that and then we're missing the point. Like we have to stay dedicated and committed and quit looking for there to be an end to everything. Like we're just going to get the instant miracle on everything. And then we don't have to engage in life deeper. Like if that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, that brings me back to our conversation at the beginning about becoming emotionally intelligent. Mm, yeah. Because recognizing consistency may override the desire to do nothing. Right. And that's a sign of emotional intelligence and processing emotions. Let's just recognize when we're in our own way, mm -hmm. which is yeah. a lot of the time. Now, some people will say, I'm not consistent at all. I just do whatever I want. And I'm like, oh, let's see. So you're consistently believing you can do whatever you want. You're going to get what you want, right? Yeah. Well, you're being consistent. You're consistently believing that doing whatever the hell you want is going to get you whatever you want. And then it's working for you because you really do believe that, right? But there are certain fundamental truths that seem to be unerringly true. Like they just always seem to be true anyway. And like, that's one of them. Bring your truths, whatever that might be for you. 
Well, in your business, what has been the biggest challenge for you in building the business that you have now? And I'm Mm -hmm. especially curious in going from a therapy practice into business coaching. What were some of the obstacles? Well, the money was definitely a big obstacle Mm -hmm. because I couldn't pay bills and then I can't pay a mortgage and you have to give the house over to the bank, all this stuff. But I had such faith and I had such confidence that often it wasn't that challenging um, during that time. But as I built my business up, the bigger challenge was when I let go of my academy for invincible healers, which was, you know, by our industry standards, quite successful, you know, multi six figure business for years and is beautiful. But I was told in 2017 to let it go. So I did. But you have to listen to what are you being guided towards? And I was guided to go deeper spiritually in terms of letting go of everything. And I was doing business coaching all along, though, at the same time. So it was really challenging because it's like, who am I? Because with the spiritual ideas, like, get rid of your identity. You have no identity. And then try to figure out your marketing when you don't know who you are. Like, it's difficult. (laughs) Hey, what's my brand? I don't know. I don't have any damn identity. But it was an interesting journey to go on. I don't know. This is just my current chapter of my life. I don't know what's next. Who knows what's next, right? And then I think I got to figure it out. It can change. I'm hearing, you know, two big periods of risk. One, when you closed down your therapy practice and you went into business coaching and it was a financial risk, Yeah. but you were able to build a successful business to overcome that. Yeah. And then again, when you closed down your academy. And so during those times, did you remain spiritually tuned in? Were you questioning yourself? What helped you manage those periods of toughness. Yeah, maybe some of the high achievers will relate to this. I mean, when I was a kid, I was a great pitcher. I got on all-star teams without being able to hit the ball, but I was good enough at pitching. They put me on the all-star team anyway, right? So like that was something I excelled at. And and then it was weightlifting where I became a high achiever. Um, What happened is eventually I judged myself so much like high achievers do about like my work ethic. I thought, well, maybe I'm not working hard enough. I got to outdo everybody. So when I got to grad school, I'm like, this is my where I'm focusing, clinical psychology, and I'm going to outwork everybody. I'll, I'm gonna, I, no one's outworking me. I am not stopping, no, no matter what. And I was like, that intensity. Well, do that for you know a few months and see what happens. Well, I ended up on medication to be able to, I couldn't even sleep hardly after that. I started to realize this is not this is not right for me. You know, this is not sustainable. I have my own unique way. And the more I embrace that way, the more prosperous I became. I think what I'm hearing is that you became more uniquely yourself, that you you tuned in the very, very deep level to your own consciousness, to, to source, to God, and weren't afraid to forge out on your own, trusting yourself. Daniel has a very special sense of deep trust in himself. This was made clear when he talked about his religious upbringing and how he was able to take the very best of that experience and turn it into spiritual growth for himself while leaving behind some of the toxicity or the heavy-handedness. Deep trust of oneself or developing intuition does, I believe, actually come very naturally to us. But unfortunately, most of us don't have the opportunity to hone that particular skill or outside forces are telling us that we cannot, in fact, trust ourselves. Even worse, some, not all, religious institutions, and yep, I'm looking at you, evangelical Christianity, promote the idea that we cannot trust ourselves, that our hearts are evil, that we will deceive ourselves. 
one of the core things that I teach my clients very early on is how to hone their intuition and how to unlearn the message that trusting their intuition is going against God. Scripture does not teach us to hate ourselves or hate our hearts or intuition, but in fact, to trust our hearts, that our hearts are innately good. Intuition is the God compass, the spirit compass within each one of us that can show us where to go and where to hold back as we journey through this thing called life. All the skills that Daniel talks about developing, channeling, tuning in to higher self, getting an alignment with abundance, start with this very basic skill of developing trust in yourself. When I show my clients how to tune into their intuition and build self-trust, magic happens. This is certainly a very essential skill for entrepreneurs because we occasionally do have to take leaps of faith in our business, balancing it with the dollars and the cents and all of the logic decisions we have to make. Sometimes our intuitive gut tells us when to move forward. I do not think that the divine wants us to go around hating our hearts or second-guessing ourselves all the time. Having a healthy sense of self and intuitive trust actually helps us commune with spirit more easily and with more love. If this is a skill you want to develop or that you've been told you shouldn't have, maybe this is just the nudge that you need to start undoing some of that old programming and getting to the depth of your very own divine heart. What do you think of when I say being in alignment? Uh, what does that mean to you, if anything? Coming back to what I probably mentioned earlier, like it's being in self-acceptance of what your real truth is, being completely honest with yourself. Like that's that's where true alignment really is. Because when you're really in that state, you're not chasing some idea, which the reason why high achievers burn themselves out is because they're chasing some false idea. I'm going to be happier once I get to the next promotion. I'm going to be happier when my business does get to a million. But they're creating it from a place of lack and scarcity. Even if they're abundant thinkers, there's still a scarcity. So then you have to put an enormous amount of energy into it to make it work because you're going against the natural current of life. But when you allow yourself to honor your deep, real truth at that fundamental level, then there can be that ease in which it can happen. And yeah, there can be rigor within that ease, 100%. But it still feels so much lighter. It's so much lighter and it's so much easier that way. Well, Daniel, before we wrap up, do you have any advice or wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners? Get to your real truth. Like I said, how do you get to your real truth? I have a make money meditation that helps you to tune in and get guidance and all that sort of stuff and open up your energy for abundance and following your sense of your guidance in your life and aligning with money and abundance. Do something that works for you that helps you first to open to source and to your soul and all that good stuff, right? Higher self, whatever you want to call it, but to that deeper spiritual impulse of what really wants to happen in your life your business, et cetera. And then what I find to be true for people is, and everybody says, well, we're all different. And that's true too. But I think like a lot of times we get a hit on something. We're like, that's the idea. I'm going to go with this idea in my life or my business. That's what I'm doing. But I've learned after following that impulse so many times that if you're really listening deeply and you take things slower, a little bit slower, a lot of times you won't do those ideas because eventually you'll be like, you know, it doesn't feel completely right. There's something not right about going in this direction. And the initial excitement wears off, right? When something's really true for you, you'll tend to feel it deeper down inside. It gets into your body. It gets into the lower chakras, right? And the 
you'll feel it in your gut if you want to talk uh, more the bodily sense, right? But like, you'll feel it. You'll feel it. You'll just be like, I don't know. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my gut. I feel it deep inside. And I just feel like I'm meant to do this. It just keeps being true. It's not just excitement. It just feels true. But follow what's true more than just inspiration and excitement as kind of a refinement of wisdom for people that I think we often miss. We're like, oh, just follow the fun and the inspiration. I know a lot of broke people are doing that all the time. You know, they're constantly following the fun and they're spending money. If they're making money in their business, they spend it all because they're just doing what feels fun. Oh, let's buy another course. Let's get another five more coaches or whatever. <laughs> they're just spending the money and they're not letting the abundance in. They're not letting the truth in. They're not, you know, honoring who they really are. So the more you can just sit with like, what is my deep truth? Who am I really? You know, being with those those questions, what am I really meant to bring in the world? Who am I really meant to serve like in your business, particularly, you know, and you get into that heart space and then you feel in your deeper body, if this is the direction you're really meant to be going, that's kind of this big sweet spot, you know, like that's where life goes much better for us. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks for sharing all of this. Um, what's the best way for people to find you and to find that meditation you mentioned? Awesome. Thank you. So you can find me at yoursacredpurpose.com, www.yoursacredpurpose.com. And there's the opportunity to get that meditation. So meditate, make money. It's an 18-minute meditation. And again, the people that actually use it consistently have told me they're making more money in their business. So check that out. And also I have a Rock your sacred purpose energy scan consultation. If you are a high achiever, a person that's a light leader, it doesn't matter where you are, if you're just getting started or if you've got a developed business, but if you, you're resonating with my approach and who I am, I'd love for you to take advantage of that consultation. I'll listen to you deeply and we'll see where your business is, where it wants to go. And you feel like, you know, you resonate with what I'm talking about today. I'd love to meet with you. Awesome. And I got a mini version of that energy scan when I was on Daniel's podcast, and it is indeed really awesome. So everyone, be sure you check that out. I'm Katie Valentine. You've been listening to Soul Savvy Business. Soul Savvy Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes shows like Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Melissa Deal and Cynthia. Melissa Deal assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Soul Savvy Business, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like the show, please give us a starred review. It is the best way to help get these ideas to more people like you. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.